0: I'm so grateful for Pastor Ryan to give me the opportunity to preach this morning. i got to tell you, I'm a little nervous. I, we're down, because I, I I'm in the choir, and I can see how many people we normally have, and I see that we're down, and I couldn't even get my own mom and dad to come this morning. I'm preaching. <laughs> I, was, I called them and said, hey, I'm really excited. I'm preaching at my church, and they, my mom called me Friday. It's too cold. We can't come course, they're all there in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri, so that's all right. But anyway, glad that you are here this morning, and I'm excited to share with you a sermon that I've titled, God's Plan for Your Health, Wealth, and Happiness in 2018. Aren't you excited? God's Plan for Your Wow, you're actually clapping for that. Thank you. <laughs> I told Pastor Ryan, by the way, I'm a preacher's kid. There's a lot more that Russ could have said. Uh, I've been around a ton of preachers in my life. Let me just say how much I love our pastor. I really do. I haven't sat under a pastor since seminary. And having been a pastor out of all of the, uh, I, and Cindy can tell you, we visited a lot of churches before we came here. And uh, largely, it's, it's always the pastor, many, many times. And I just love Pastor Ryan and his heart and his gentleness and his humility and just been a really good friend uh, to me through all of this. So I love Pastor Ryan, but I told him last Sunday, I said, don't worry about anything. I got it covered. I'm going to preach on prosperity. I'm just going to promise them that God's going to bless them over and over. In the new year, it's going to be great. I even have the smile to go with it. Come on, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he, he gave me this that he wanted me to read this morning. It's a disclaimer. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed in this sermon are those of the guest preacher and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Fellowship of Wildwood or its pastor. I, now, I'm just joking. He didn't give that to me. I'm just kidding with you. But I'm not joking about God's plans for the new year. And, oh, he has got good and glorious plans for us. And, and I want to share with you, this is one of my favorite verses. I don't know if they'll ever invite me to come back, right? So I wanted to share one of my absolute favorite verses, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11, where the Bible says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, or the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare or uh, some translations use the word prosperity and there it is that's that's where everybody the flags go up and say wait a minute plans for your welfare and not for evil not for destruction and to give you a future and a hope, and that is my favorite part. And you need to pray for me that I get everything in, so we can get to the best part at the end of this. All right, to give you a future and a hope. And this poor verse, this poor verse has has been abused, no doubt. It has been abused by those who preach what we would call a prosperity gospel, which means, hey, if you'll just believe, you know, if you'll say this uh, little prayer and believe in Jesus, uh, God's going to bless you. He's going to take care of everything in your life. Uh, He'll cure you and and he's going to bless you. Most of all, when we hear the word prosperity, what do we think of? Money. He's just going to, man, you're going to win the Powerball this week. Yes, amen, because God's going to prosper you. You don't play Powerball, do you? Anyway, forget that. But but, (laughs) that's what we think of. So, yes, this verse has definitely been abused, but. But sadly, it also gets rejected sometimes because then, you know, some, some of the conservative ministers are like, I don't want to touch that, you know, because I don't want to get into the whole prosperity. And I, here's, here's what pastors are afraid of. I don't want to promise you something that I don't know if God's going to come through on this. I mean, there's a fear there. You know, I, I, even pastors, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, pastors have doubts sometimes and they stand up here and say, you know, well, this is what God's word says, and in their mind they're thinking, I don't know. I don't know if this is really true or not. Well, I want to tell you this verse. Man, this verse is the, this verse is the inspired word of God, and it is true and it has been so true in my life. I I can tell you my story. If you knew all of my story, you really would be amazed that. Wow, they let him up there to preach. <laughs> if you knew it. I, Seven years ago, I was married for 18 years and I went through a devastating divorce. And it was devastating. And I, uh, it, it, absolutely the most painful thing that I've ever been through in my whole life. And, uh, and I was pastor of a church at the time. Just scared me to death. I'm losing everything, you know. And I, boy, did I cry out to God, God, what in the world? What is going on? This is my plan for my life. I promise you that. I was born in a preacher 's kid in a great home this is not my plan, uh, but but sometimes those things happen in life that that are just out of your control you know so so I, I made it through that, and in this verse, boy, this verse was a foundation for me. you know I trust you god you 've got plans for my life you you created me you, you brought me here, so i 'm just going to trust you with that, and so everything 's going okay, and we 're surviving and then two years ago. <laughs> Two years ago, I go in for my annual checkup at my family doctor, right? And uh, all the men in here will understand that. After you're 40 and you go in once a year and you get that total exam, you know, which is, it's just, ah, it's humiliating. And, and I'm in there and I've got this really good doctor and he starts pushing on my abdomen. I'm laying on the table and he said, boy, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel right. And then I said the magic words. I said, well, you know what? I've got a pain in my back. And it uh, waking me up in the middle of the night just hurts. You need a CAT scan. We're going to find out what's going on. Never had a CAT. I've never even had an IV before in my life. That's the truth. I'm, look at me. I am healthy, right? And, and so he sends me to get a CAT scan. And, and I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but you go get a CAT scan I'm done with it. I got it up here at St. Luke's, and I'm actually on my way to a denominational meeting down in uh, Hillsboro, and so I'm on Interstate 55 traveling down the road 45 minutes after I just got a CAT scan, and my doctor calls and says, "Uh, can you come in and see me today? (laughs) Uh, Just got the report from your CAT scan, and I need to see you, and I'm like, yeah, I'll drop whatever, you know, and then I said, should I bring my wife with me? Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Why don't you bring her? And I'm, you know, the tears just start flowing. He doesn't have to say anything else, right? I, this is, that's never good when they want you to come in immediately. And I go in and sit down in the office, and he, and he actually pulls out his laptop and he googles lymph nodes, and and you know, and I'm already thinking, oh, I had an ant die of lymphoma, and and. I don't want to see this, you know, but anyway, I get a little lesson from my doctor on what lymph nodes are, you know, and bottom line is everything from here down to my groin, all of my lymph nodes were swollen. In fact, what he felt, he thought it was my spleen, but it actually was a lymph node that was 11, 11 centimeters by 12 centimeters. It was huge. And, and the back pain was my kidneys. There just was no room left in there. And, and that, that started me on a journey. I was like, God, okay, I went through the dark valley of divorce. Are you kidding me? Now I'm going to go through cancer? What in the world, you know? And, and sure enough, I have stage four follicular non Hodgkin's lymphoma. And again, I know you're looking at me thinking, it's like I just stepped off of the stage of Mr. Universe, right? I mean, I, I, I look great. And, and, and I've got a disease that is incurable. The good news is, it's, it's maintainable. It, it's a weird thing. In fact, this Tuesday I will go in and they give me this, no, no joke. They, they give me this drug in a, in a IV pouch about that big. And, and they pump that through me. And that drug takes an hour and a half. I got to port. That drug costs, you ready for this? $27,000 just, just to get that. And, and, and it's working, and it is working, and, and everything is, is going great. But, but again, you know, again, it's just like, okay, God, you know, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And I just keep repeating it. God says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Now, he's not trying to destroy me and kill me. That cannot be, because that's not what that verse says. To give me a uh, welfare, to give me a future and a hope. And so I want to explain this verse to you this morning. I want to help you to understand the hope that I have, and then I couldn't stand here today if I didn't believe what this verse teaches, and the hope that I have found in Jesus Christ. And I want to share that with you, because I know, I know as a pastor, there is hurt and struggle, there is pain on every, I used to say every pew, we don't have pews now, do we? On every chair in here, right? There... It's a hard life, and we're entering into 2018, and maybe you've got a lot of doubts and concerns and things going on in your family or your finances or your health, and, and you need some hope. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. So, the reason this verse gets abused is because they take it out of uh, context. That's the issue. And so, we need to look at the context. We need to read uh, the, the passage, the verses beginning before that. In Jeremiah 29, verse 1, and I've got the uh, verse on, on the screen for you so you can follow along. It says in verse 1, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, and to the priests, and the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This, is, this was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and all the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. So you you remember this from studying your Bibles. You know how God had warned Israel over and over again turned from the idols, worshipped the one true God. He sent them prophets. He, he, he gave them good kings. And they just, they continued to live in disobedience. And finally, somewhere around 597 BC, God says, all right, this is my plan. I, I'm going to let Nebuchadnezzar, remember that name? That's such a cool name. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come in from Babylon and he's going to destroy. He's going to conquer israel and judah and he's going to carry off all of my people into exile and that's god's plan that's god's plan in fact you'll notice later on that god says that he is the one that did that and so this is the situation they are in exile and Jeremiah, who is a prophet of God, he is in Jerusalem, and he's writing a letter. By the way, Paul didn't invent the epistles. (laughs) Jeremiah was doing this in the Old Testament. He writes a letter and sends it to those who were in exile. Uh, Let's continue. In verse 3, the letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of uh, Shaphan and... Jemariah, I'm I'm from the country, I don't know how to say that, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And then verse 4, And thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom, look at that, I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Yeah, he used Nebuchadnezzar, but it was God that sent them into exile. I know the plans I have for you. Wait a minute, you You're sending your own people out of the promised land? I mean, this is the land that you had promised Abraham forever and ever. And God is the one who who sends them out. And then he tells them in verse 5, build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. You know what he's telling them? I'm sending you out of the country, uh, out of the promised land, and you're going to be in Babylon of all places, wicked Babylon. Read about it in Revelation. (laughs) Babylon is is nowhere good. And and God says, you know what, while you're there, I want you to settle in. Build some houses. have families. Look at verse 6. Take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. By the way, here's a little interesting. I, I don't know if this has anything to do with my message, but this is really cool Bible uh, knowledge. Okay, Think about how, how in, the garden, uh, in the Garden of Eden that God gave Adam and Eve, it was all there. They could eat off of anything they wanted to. And then when they sinned, what happened? Now you're going to have to go out and work among the thorns and the briars and the thistles. It's going to be hard. It, it, it's not going to be a fun life. Remember that? Remember how he led the children of Israel from... from uh, Egypt into the promised land, into Canaan, when it went in and they, and they conquered them. Do you realize that they moved into houses that were already there and they ate off of gardens that had already been planted? It was all provided for them. And now they're going to Babylon. You got to build your own houses. You got to plant your own gardens. But, I, but the plan hasn't changed. I want you to Multiply. And increase. And even in Babylon, you know, the emphasis on the family. There's probably so much there, but, but that's not our, our point this morning. That's not where we're going. Uh, he says in verse 7 But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Isn't that interesting? I want you to live in Babylon and I want you to pray for Babylon. In fact, you know, I'm sending you there because you've been disobedient to me. However, part of my plan is for you to make a difference in Babylon. I want to use you while you're there. And so focus on your family, uh, build houses, just live life, do life as usual, and pray. Pray for Babylon. Pray for peace there. Verse 8, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Now, what you need to know, and we won't take the time to go back and look at it, but is in, in chapter 28, in the previous chapter, there's a man named Hananiah who says that he's a prophet of God. And see, Hananiah has been preaching to the exiles, oh, this is just going to be a couple of years. We're just going to be in Babylon for a couple of years, and then God's going to conquer Nebuchadnezzar, and we're all going back home. And Jeremiah, who's a true prophet, says, no, that, don't listen to him, because he, he is not telling you the truth from God. It's not going to be two years. Look at what Jeremiah says in verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when... 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. That was, that was an unpopular message, okay? And sometimes sometimes God gives preachers unpopular messages to preach, and people don't want to hear it. You, are you telling me that we are moving out of Israel, out of the promised land, and we're going to live in Babylon? for 70 years? Come on, let's be serious this morning. Some of those people are thinking, I'm not going to be alive. I'll miss it. I, I'm going to miss the whole going back. What, why 70 years? How, how in the world? And then God says in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. It's all part of the plan." What does that mean for us today? By the way, that verse, verse 11, that does apply to your life today, to my life. You know why? Because, friends, we are exiles. Listen to me. This world is not our home. This isn't our home. We live in the United States of America, wonderful country. We ought to be just like them. Pray, pray for America and, and, and live godly lives while we're here. But the United States of America is not God's plan, not his eternal plan, not for all of eternity. It's not this country. My goodness, it, every year, you want to know what 2018 is going to look like? We, America, I think at one time, you know, some churches, some Christians thought that we were the new Jerusalem, right? And, and yet, as we go along, we're looking more and more like the next Babylon, you know that. You understand that. The, the morality is missing, and we're, we're, living, we're living in a country that is full of wickedness. And, and God says, while you're here, I want you to have families. Worship me. Serve me. Pray for peace. Don't, Did you see that? He tells them, don't go into Babylon and try to you know, change the culture and, and try to go in there and argue with them and everything. Just, just go be my people. In a foreign land. You are God's people in a foreign land. We're just passing through this. This is not our home. And here's where where verse 11 applies to us, all right? Very quickly, let me share three. Pastor Ryan was nice last week, wasn't he? He just gave us two points. I'm going to get us back into shape. Three points this morning. You ready? And here's the first point of my message, that God has a plan for your life. Think about this. God has a plan for your life. That, that, is, that is good news, that God, God doesn't do things just half hazardly, right? God doesn't just, uh, he's, he's not a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants kind of guy, kind of God. He really isn't. He has a plan. Think about this. Think about creation. He planned that he spoke it into existence. And, and and the order of it, there in Genesis chapter 1, you know, how, how he created darkness and light. And then on, uh, that was in day 1, and on day 4, you, you could do a, a, a diagram of it in a opposite of day one is day four where he puts the sun and the moons uh, out there the the stars and the skies right for the light in day two he separates the water from the sky in day five opposite of that he fills the sky with birds and the water with fish in in day three he creates the dry land and the vegetation that grows on it and on day six he creates the animals and the people that are going to live on the dry that's a plan folks That was all thought out. Everything from every, you know, the Bible says that he made, he put every star in place with his fingers. Isn't that incredible? All the way down to now, we understand there's a map inside of me, my DNA. He knew exactly what I was going to look like. He knew I was going to miss some hair back there on the top. He knew that. It was all written out in my DNA. He planned it all, friends. He, he's a God who has a plan, a plan in creation, uh, a plan. Think about all of his plans with the ark. Told Noah exactly the, the diagrams of it, 300 cubits, 50 cubits, make it out of gopher wood. Remember all of that? He had a plan for the exodus, the, the, the uh, plagues. He, he knew what he was doing, had all of that planned out, knew that he was going to have the Passover, the death angel come over. He had a plan for his law. He wasn't sitting up there thinking, all right, I've got to come up with 10 of these. Let's see. (laughs) There's a reason why the first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Put that commandment first, the other nine just fall into place, you know? It, it's all thought out. He's a God who plans. He had a plan for the tabernacle. You can read about that in Exodus 25. I mean, he, it was detailed plans about the tabernacle and the temple and the, the Holy of Holies. He had a plan for the exiles. That's the, the verses we're looking at. Uh, build houses, and, and I, I'm not finished with you. I have a plan for you. He had a plan for Jesus. Isn't that a great verse in Galatians 4, verse 4? But when the fullness of time had come, in God's timing, according to His plan, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. He planned that. He he planned to have Mary, the Virgin Mary, the one who carried Jesus. He he planned his, His life. He planned our salvation. We even call it that. We call it a plan of salvation. It's all well thought out. Paul wrote in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He,' listen to this, "'chose us in Him before the foundation of the world.'" Before He even created the world, He had a plan, a way to express His love, to sacrifice Himself before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He blessed us in the Beloved. Yes, friends, God has a plan, a plan for your salvation. He has a plan for your life you've heard psalm 139 before uh verse 13 for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb my grandma used to knit does anybody knit anymore don't answer that my grandma used to knit nobody she had a plan before she started right pick up those needles and the and the yarn and and she started working and and i didn't know is it a scarf is it a is it a sweater is it she may be a baseball one time you know i who knows what she but she's got a plan and she's god knit you together inside that womb you you created in the image of god and you're made exactly the way that god wanted you to be in fact He tells us over in romans that he he gave you a gift you have a spiritual gift you're, you're different from anybody else. I, I've heard so many times those pastor people will say, oh, I don't need to go to church. I, I can just go and worship and serve God on my own. The, the thinking that is wrong about that is that when you don't, when you're not a member of a church, you don't participate in it. I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning, literally because the choir's sitting down there. But, but <laughs> when you don't go to church, here's the problem. God made you the way he wanted to, and you fit You have a job, you have a purpose in his church. And when you don't come, when you don't attend, when you don't serve, the church is weakened. There's something missing there. It's not about you. Oh, I don't need the church. It's about God's church, the body. Remember all of that? Uh, I digress. You you know about all of that. Remember Bob Ross? Remember Bob Ross on PBS? I remember when I was a kid, used to watch Bob Ross. And uh, he's that painter, remember? Remember? With the soothing voice and the white canvas, and, and and you know, and he'd start out and take some gray paint and swipe it across, you know, and and he's he's painting a mountain scene or or the sea, you know. And when he starts, it's like it doesn't make any sense at all. That doesn't make any sense. When he's finished, it's a beautiful painting. Don't you understand? God has a plan for your life, and you look at it right now and you think this is the plan. It looks like chaos, you know, but God's up there. He's in control, a very soothing voice. God's saying, yes, Bill Peters, let's wash some cancer into that life. That's going to look really pretty in there, <laughs> you know, and we'll adopt that. He's got a plan for your life. That brings so much comfort to me. Oh, it's comforting to know that, that there's a God that's in control, and he's got a plan. But not only does he have a plan for your life, my second point is, God's plan for your life, it's a good plan. It's a good plan. See, that's where he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. Now, don't get caught up on the word welfare or prosperous, or some of the translations say good. It's not talking about material possessions. It could, it could. There's plenty of people in the Bible that, that were wealthy and God used them, and that may be his plan for your life. But but the bottom line is, the bottom line is, his plan for you is good. It's good. It's not evil. God is not out to get you. He is not out to destroy you. In fact, the New Testament tells us it, it tells us that God is long-suffering and patient, not wanting any to perish but that all would come to to salvation, to Jesus. He he is not out to destroy you. And he's telling these people as they're in exile, this is going to be 70 years while you're in exile, but I'm not destroying you. I'm, I'm helping you. It doesn't look like it right now, but I'm helping you. Boy, I remember when I found out I had cancer and that two weeks, man, there was a whirlwind. And, and I got a PET scan. Don't know if you've ever had a PET scan before. Uh, that, that's a little um, unnerving when they, they put you in this cold room. <laughs> They're always cold. They put you in this cold room, and, and they give you an IV and hook up the IV. No, no joke. And the stuff they pull out, it, it's got one of those, um, uh, what's the nuclear signs on it or whatever, you know. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? yeah, yeah, hazardous, and they're pumping it into me so they can get a picture of what's going on. That's, you know, it's always unnerving when when they do that infusion, and and they always dress up in a gown and gloves, you know, and I'm like, how come you're not taking care of me? (laughs) You're putting this poison in me, and and you don't want it on yourself, you know. Well, Well, I understand that they're helping me. Man, I remember when Dr. Rooney gave me a bone marrow biopsy. Boy, if they ever mention that to you, just no thank you. <laughs> head out the door. Uh, they shoot that hip up with lidocaine. Did it right there in the office. And she took some medieval looking tool. Looked like a drill out of my dad's shop. That's no joke. Just, and I'm laying there, you know. <laughs> and she's, she's not a very big doctor. I love Dr. Rooney, by the way, down at St. Luke's. And she takes that thing and right there in my hip, and she's uh, uh, drilling. Is that too much? Maybe that's too much for you. (laughs) And my my shoulders are shaking, and that 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 was not fun, friends. That was not friends. That was part of her plan, though, to help me. By the way, they found a trace of bone marrow. They they found a trace of my lymphoma, my bone marrow, stage four, because she did that, And, and. and that was good, good information. We need to know that. You know, God may have you in a bone marrow biopsy right now, and it's, life hurts. Yes, it hurts. But he's got a good plan for you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's trying to take a disease out of you. He's trying to reveal your own sin to you so that you'll turn from that and come to him. He's working good in your life. Oh, the, the, why would you even want the prosperity of this world anyway? Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Don't you understand that the riches of God's grace is nothing. The, the prosperity of this world is nothing compared to the riches of his grace. It's nothing. why would you even settle for anything less? He's got a good plan for you. And then finally, God's plan for your life is not only good. This is the cool thing about the Bible, by the way. Just when you think, wow, that's good. It gets better. It gets better. Not only is his plan good for you, it's glorious. It's better than anything that you could ever think of. This is my favorite part of the verse. If if you tune me out, wake up, okay? Listen to this part. To, to, for your welfare and not for destruction, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And it was when I was broken that, that those words jumped off the page to me. And, 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 and I think I understood what he was saying. Why would you need those two words, a future and a hope? You know, isn't that two different things? Or isn't that the same thing? A future, you know, the sun will come out. Tomorrow, that's the future. (laughs) Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. I can't promise you that about tomorrow, by the way, January 1st. I don't think, I think it's going to be cold again, right? But that's, well, we have a hope for tomorrow. I want to see tomorrow. And God, listen to this, God's message is, it's not just about seeing tomorrow, but it's going to be better than today. That's hope. That's hope. You understand that. I know y'all are spoiled as Cardinals fans. My goodness, you're spoiled because they go to the playoffs almost every year. I mean, this year, right, they didn't go to the playoffs and everybody's, ah, you know, all mad. They'll be back. You know that. But you understand this as Rams fans. Come on now. You understand that. You know, oh, there's always next year, always next year. Well, guess what? Next year came. They're 11 and four. They're doing great. Is that too early? Does that sting a little bit? Right? (laughs) Right? They're not here. Uh, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, have been my whole life. I, I mean, I, I'd welcome you onto the bandwagon of the Chiefs. I really would. They're in the playoffs, too, and they're in Missouri, and, and I'd welcome you to that. But i got to tell you, as a Chiefs fan, you know, they were in the very first Super Bowl, and, and I think they were in the third Super Bowl, and they won that one, and then that's it. And every year as a Chiefs fan, it's like, oh, this is going to be it. we got Coach Reed. Now we're going to make it. You know, <laughs> oh, 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 you know, we've we got Pat Mahomes. He's going he's to be the quarterback today. That's the future. I'm telling you, it's going to come. We're going to win the Super And it's deflated oh, every year. They never make it. They don't go to the Super Bowl. They're not going to go this year, you know. But, but we, we always say, well, there's a future. There's next year. There's next year you know how sad it is to live life with, with you know cancer and divorce and, and financial troubles all of these problems in life do you know how sad it is to live through this life and say well maybe it'll get better next year and that's our only hope that's not the hope he gives us a future and a hope you know what that means there is next season but guess what because of god we're gonna win the super bowl we're champions. We are going to be victorious. I know the plans I have for you, says God, not for your destruction. It's for to prosper you, for welfare, to give you a future and a hope. It is going to be better. How many times I've been at a funeral, I've heard people say, well, they've gone to a better place. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. If they're Christians, they've gone to the best place not a better place. Heaven's the best place. Do you know why it's the best place? Because Jesus is there. Because Jesus is there. You ever thought about that? that? That the truth is anywhere Jesus is, is heaven. Do you know that? Do you know that about the president? Air Force One? He flew into St. Louis here a lot long ago on Air Force One. I'm very jealous. <laughs> Valerie got to go see it. Yeah, he flew in on Air Force One. But you do realize that any plane that the president gets on he could get on a little piper plane and that plane is called air force one it's not the plane it's the president wherever he is it's not the streets of gold and the pearly gates and the crystal see that's not heaven jesus makes it heaven Jesus makes it heaven. And, and, and oh, one of my other favorite verses, I'll preach on this one maybe if they ever ask me, come back. But 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57, Paul says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way. It's through Jesus. And God says, I know the plans I have for you. He was telling that to people in exile. And he was saying, you're going to be there for 70 years, but, but you just, you, you can't even realize how I'm going to send a little baby born in a major to a virgin. Can you believe that? They couldn't believe it back then either. And, and this child's going to grow up and he's going to be different than any other person that's ever lived on this earth. He's never going to sin. He's going to walk on water, do incredible miracles. He's going to teach like no teacher has ever taught on this earth. And then he is going to willingly, not even going to put up a fight, he's going to willingly die on a cross in your place. Because I sent you all to exile. You know why I sent you to exile? Because you deserved it. And the truth is, we all deserve the cross. But but, look, look what he said in that verse, to give you a future and a hope. You don't deserve it. We haven't earned a future and a hope. That's grace. Grace gives. And this Jesus Christ that died on the cross for our sins, my friends, he rose from the dead. And he lives today. And because of that, no matter what happens in my life, and they tell me my cancer is incurable. Guess what? I'm going to die with cancer. Like my dad always says, My doctor wants me to die healthy. (laughs) That'll sink in this afternoon. You'll get that. But it doesn't matter because I got a God who makes plans. He's got a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. He doesn't want to destroy me. He wants me to live with him. He's preparing a place for me in heaven. And it is a glorious plan because it's going to be a lot better than this life that we're living right now. Don't hold on to this. Maybe you don't have that hope this morning. And out here, as soon as our service is over, there's a place called the Starting Line over here in the corner. And and if you need hope for 2018, if there's something going on in your life and you're just desperate... And, and, and you need this, this strength and, and hope that I've been talking about this morning, go out there as soon as this is over, and there'll be good people I know out there, and they will share with you and pray with you and tell you how you can have that kind of a relationship with God, that kind of hope, how you can come to learn about his plan that he has for you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your scripture. I thank you for the truth that you have a plan for our lives. Thank you for Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you for the incredible plan that that there would be a lamb of God who would come and be slain and his own precious blood shed for our sins, Lord, and then that he would be risen from the dead and live eternally so that we could have and experience eternal life. Lord, I thank you. It's a It's a tremendous plan. I pray for everyone in here this morning, Lord. Help them not to lose hope. Help them to face tomorrow, to face the new year, Lord. No matter what happens in our life, to know that there's a plan, that there is a God still on the throne, and He is is working. You are working for our good, and you're going to share a glorious future with us. Thank you, God. I thank you, and I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.